Please now turn to Psalm 3 in your Bibles and follow it as I read through the whole of it. Psalm 3, a Psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. But you, Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who lifts my head high. I call out to the Lord and he answers me from his holy mountain. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear, though tens of thousands assail me on every side. Arise, Lord. Deliver me, my God. Strike all my enemies on the door. Break the teeth of the wicked. From the Lord comes deliverance. May your blessing be on your people. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please keep that passage open in front of you. Psalm 3 and let's pray together. Father, we pray please that you would teach us how to pray our fears. Father, help us to learn from this psalm. Amen. So this is the last sermon in the series, An Anchor in the Storm. Uh, and we have, over the last few weeks, thought about how the Lord is our anchor in the storm and how we can trust him to take us through the difficult times. And what we find in this passage, in Psalm 3, is instructions on how to pray our fears, because that's what we need to do. That's how we, in practice, actually hold on to the Lord as our anchor in the storm. See, our culture around us tends to go one of two ways either says uh, suppress your fears, try and ignore them, or it says stand up and fight them, face your fears. It's one or the other. But the Bible says something different. The Bible says pray your fears. And Psalm 3 teaches us how to do that. Now the Psalms are uh, God's prayer book for us. He gives us prayers in the Psalms and they cover a whole range of different emotions and different life situations. And in this Psalm, Psalm 3, we are given the words of a king, King David. You see, you need to notice the setting of the Psalm, the situation in which it was written. And that's right at the beginning, before verse 1, where it says, A Psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. King David had been king over Israel, a successful king, a great king, but now he was fleeing. He'd had to flee from Jerusalem, flee from his palace because someone had created an uprising. And who was that someone? His own son, Absalom, had started an uprising, uh, had become popular, uh, and it meant David and his group had to flee for their lives from Jerusalem. And so David is on the run and this is his prayer. And it was given so that the people of Israel could take the words of their king on their lips. And what do we learn from this psalm about how to deal with our fears? Well, we're going to see three things. 
Three things that we need to put into practice when we're praying. Ways that we can learn to pray our fears. And the first is to express our fears. Second, to declare the truth. And third, to rejoice in the king's victory. So first, express fear. We see this in verses 1 and 2. This is how David starts the psalm. He expresses his fears to God. He says, O Lord, how many are my foes? How many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. As he flees, as he flees for his life, he expresses to God the situation that he's in. He tells God his situation. Now, you and I, we might be tempted to think, well, I don't need to tell God my situation because God already knows, surely. But actually, we learn here from David, it is good to begin by just saying, this is how it is, Lord. This is how I'm feeling. Prayer, you see, is not, it's not a business meeting where you just want to get through the agenda as quickly as you can and therefore you don't want to go over stuff that people already know. It's not like that. Prayer is us talking to our Heavenly Father. And fathers love to hear their children talk and, and even to say things they already know. And, and what do you say if there's a father dealing with a child who's frightened? First thing you say is, what are you frightened of? What's scare, what is scaring you? Even if actually you know what's scaring the child, you might say, tell me what's frightening you. And we need to do this with God. And do you notice he expresses it as, uh, as his feelings because he's saying, how many are my foes? He's, he's not expecting God to answer with a number. This is a way of saying, this feels overwhelming. This feels too big for me. And do you notice also that he says what people are saying? He says people are saying God won't deliver him. He even expresses to God the lies that people are saying around him, things that aren't true. I mean, actually, people could have reason for thinking God won't rescue David because actually what had happened before David had to flee Jerusalem was that he had committed adultery and he'd committed murder. And David's predecessor, Saul, when Saul had rebelled against God, God had left Saul. And so maybe people were thinking, well, history's repeating itself here. David is also going to be abandoned by God. And so they're saying God won't deliver him. And David even brings that to the Lord. Do you do that? Bringing things to the Lord which, uh, you know, maybe even contrary to God's word, say that this is what people are saying or this is what's going on in my heart. This is what I'm feeling at the moment. What we need to learn to do is to pour out our hearts to God. Even things where you go, well, I'm not sure that that's true, but it's what I'm feeling. So I've got to get it out there. Psalm 62 says this at one point in it. Trust in him at all times, O Lord. Pour out, uh, O people, uh, pour out your hearts to him, for God is our refuge. That verse is saying, pour out your hearts to God. If it's in there, pour it out. Don't just think your fears are like sort of bottles of uh, fizzy water or whatever, or something like that, that you think, well, now we just sort of stop them up and, and we'll put them away, we'll, we'll hide them away in the cellar. No, your fears, they need to come out. You need to bring them to the Lord. Open up the bottle. Let it out. Pour it out to the Lord to say, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm frightened of. Lord, I, I maybe even think that you're not listening to me, that you're not going to answer me, that you're not with me. Pour out your fears to God. First thing we need to do 
is express our fears. Second thing we need to do, though, is to declare truth. Now, this is a move that we probably don't normally take in our praying. We might pour out our hearts to God by, by declaring uh, what's frightening us. But I wonder whether you do this next step, which is to declare truth. You see, there's an important step that David takes. He, he uses the words, but you. And that's really important. But you are. And then he declares truth about God. And I want you just to pick out three truths that he declares about God. He says, but you are a shield around me, O Lord. Now, if you've seen um, films of, uh, of people fighting, sort of old times, gladiator, that kind of thing, you've probably got to go back further than that. You know that there are kind of two kinds of shields that people might have uh, if they're fighting. You've got the kind of smaller shield, the, the littler ones, uh, which you, you do when you're doing sort of hand-to-hand -hand combat, um, and you use that to, to repel sort of sword blows or other things that might come at you. But, but you've got to be able to take that out of the way so that you can attack. Uh, but then there are the other kind of shield. By the way, I'm not an expert on this. I, I'm not an expert on shields, but so I gather. Uh, there's the other kind of shield, which is more like a door. It's just big. It's huge. And you can hide behind it. Uh, and when you're behind it, you're, you're completely safe from anything that's attacking you from the front. Well, David is saying, God, you're that kind of shield. You're a shield around me. In fact, you go further than that. You go right round me. You are my complete protection. I can hide behind that and I am safe. Now, notice David is saying that when he's fleeing for his life. He's saying, God, you're my shield. You are right round me. You protect me. And bear in mind, you only need a shield if you're being attacked. I mean, that's true of several of the images that you get in the book of Psalms. Uh, elsewhere, you see uh, the psalmist saying God is a fortress or a refuge. But it's similar, isn't it? You only need those things if you're in danger, if you're in trouble. Well, so too for us, as we take these words on our lips, we're saying, God, you're our shield around us. And that means we're going through difficult times, through real crises, real problems. But you're our shield defending us. And we've seen this over the last sort of few weeks, haven't we? to see actually nothing separates us from the love of God. And therefore, all that we go through, none of it is outside God's control. And even as we go through the difficulties, as we go through the disasters, God is our shield, protecting us. And he will even use disasters. This is what we thought about last week. He will even use disasters for our good to develop and grow our faith. And that is the thing that God wants to grow and shield and defend. So God is our shield around us through the difficulties. He's your shield. Second, David says, he declares truth. He says, uh, you're my glory. Now, uh, th this line, second half of verse three, what we've got in the NIV here is it says, you bestow glory on me. Actually, other translations go better than that. They, they say, you my glory or you are my glory. Now, that's quite something. David is saying, God, you're my glory. You're the most important thing to me. You're the most special thing in my life. You're the thing I live for. Now, again, that's a really important thing to declare. 
our fears can be very helpful. A bit like pain can in fact be very helpful. After all, um, pain is useful if you've damaged yourself, if you've hurt yourself, that you know which bit of you is injured, which bit of you is damaged, which bone is broken, that you know because it hurts. So too fears can help us. Fears can point us in the direction of where things aren't actually right in our hearts. Because sometimes we do have really big fears, crippling fears, things that really get to us. And what we need to ask at that point is, what's this saying about my glory? What is my glory at the moment? Is it in something else, something that may be very good, but has become my glory? And as you look at David, you see someone here who has lost many things that we might be tempted to make our glory. I mean, it looks like he's lost the kingship, his position, his status. It looks like he's lost his possessions, his palace, everything he owns. What about his family? His idea of being a good father? Well, that's gone. His son is against him. His wealth is left behind. Popularity? Well, that's gone. Stability? Well, that's gone too. And all those things could be things that we might be tempted to make our glory. And here's the thing, when those things start to be challenged, start to be shaken, maybe it looks like we're going to lose them, if they're our glory, it terrifies us. Yeah, they're still good things and we will still miss them if we were to lose them. But if they're our glory, then we will be terrified to lose them. And so we need to join with David in saying, actually, they're not my glory. God, you're my glory. And the thing is, if you go for saying, God, you're my glory, that is indestructible. All those other things could be lost. But if God is your glory, then your glory is secure. And that gives you security as well. So David declares truth. He says, God, you're my shield. You're my glory. And the third thing he, he says is, you answer me. He says, verse four, to the Lord I cry aloud and he answers me from his holy hill. Now, his holy hill, that may well be Jerusalem. I mean, that, that's what they would have thought of. And yet David is fleeing from Jerusalem, but he's saying, God, I know you still answer me. You still hear me and answer me from your holy hill. Now, that's significant. He's saying, I'm on the run. Things are going disastrously. I've lost so much. But you hear me. And we need to remember that too. The door is always open to us. God is always ready to hear us, to answer us. It may not be the way we would like him to answer us, but there is a ready ear to hear you. Now, would you notice with these three things, uh, declaring that God is his shield, uh, that God is his glory and that God hears him and answers his prayers, that David is declaring these things. He's not asking for these things, but declaring them. Now, I think that's a really significant move. Because if he's asking for them, what he's saying really is, I don't have them at the moment. So if he says, God, please be my shield. He's saying, well, you're not at the moment, but please be that. 
And uh, please be my glory would be saying, you're not at the moment, but please would you be that? Uh, and it's not wrong to say, Lord, please hear my prayer. You do get that elsewhere in the Psalms. But to say, Lord, you do hear my prayer is a different thing. You see, to ask for those things is like being on the outside of those promises, saying, God, I want to be on the inside. I, w I want to know those things. But if we declare those things to be true, we're laying hold of God's promises and we're saying, God, this is true right now. And I found that really helpful. A couple of sabbaticals ago, I was um, talking with someone, I was meeting with someone uh, who's a, a Christian counsellor. And in our conversations, we were talking about something that I was finding frightening, fr finding scary. And that's something I was praying about on a regular basis. And I would keep coming back to praying about the same thing. And I would say, Lord, please protect me. Please help me in, the, in this. Uh, and please be my shield, that kind of idea. And that guy, that Christian counsellor, wisely said, how about changing that language? Change it round to being, Lord, thank you that you are my shield. You are my protector. And actually that does make a big difference. So I want to commend that to you. To use these things that David says and to use them in your prayers as you pray your fears. So we pour out our fears to God. We, we express them and then we declare truth. We need to say, God, you are my shield. You my glory. And you do answer my prayers. Now, the third thing that we need to do, third and final thing, is to rejoice in the king's victory. Now, in passing, just notice, would you, verse uh, five and six, David is then able to sleep. Even though he's still on the run, things are still disastrous from him. Having poured his heart out to God, having declared the truth, he can sleep. Uh, because he trusts the Lord sustains him. And then we come to verse 7. And this is a tricky verse, isn't it? Now, when it was read, I wondered what you thought of it. Uh, David is saying, strike all my enemies on the jaw, break the teeth of the wicked. Should we pray this kind of thing? Should you pray that about those who are against you at work or in other places? Well, the Israelites needed to remember, and I think they would have done, that this is the prayer of King David. They're taking onto their lips their king's prayer. And the king was in a unique position. Because David was God's chosen king, God's anointed king. And therefore, if people rose up against him, they were rising up against God. But also, as God's people took these words on their lips, they were identifying with their king. They were taking his words onto their lips. They were, they were sort of saying, I am my king. So at the beginning of the psalm, if they were to pray this, they would pray, oh Lord, how many are my foes? Not... How many were his foes? But how many are my foes? Because when King David's in trouble, his people are in trouble. When he, he's victorious, his people are victorious. That's kind of the nature of a king, isn't it? But particularly so here. And God's teaching his people, you can take the words of your king onto your lips. You can identify with your king. And they would have known that after this, God did give victory to David. And that was good not just for David, but for his people as well. Now, I think that helps us to see how to apply this, because our king is not King David. Our king is great David's greater son, Jesus. And Jesus himself stood on a hill outside Jerusalem. But whereas David was going over that hill, fleeing from those who wanted to take his life, Jesus was heading into Jerusalem towards those who wanted to take his life. And Jesus 
as he suffered and died, became victorious over his enemies. And we need to see that the New Testament teaches us to identify with Jesus. And it says, when Jesus died, we died. It says, for you have, now, have been crucified with Christ. When he dies, you die. And when he rose from the dead, you rose from the dead if you're a Christian. You're so identified with him that what happened to him happens to you. And therefore, we can identify with his victory. He is victorious. And so, as Spurgeon says, when he comes to this psalm in his book on Psalms, he says, Rejoice, O believer! You have to do with a dragon whose head is broken and with enemies whose teeth are dashed from their jaws. Your victory has been won. It was won at the cross. And that's where we need to end up in our praying our fears. God doesn't say, oh, oh, just ignore your fears, suppress them. And he doesn't say, go on, you fight your fears. No, he sends a champion for us. He sends a king for us who will fight for us and who is victorious in our place. And if you're his subject, his victory is your victory. Now, anyone can become one of Jesus's subjects. Even actually those who are his enemies can become one of his subjects if they will humble themselves before him, bow before his kingship and come to him with their whole lives. And if they do, his victory is theirs. And Jesus's victory at the cross was over our big enemies, over sin that would separate us from God, over death when he rose victorious and over the devil and all who oppose God. Now, one day that victory will be fully applied and it'll be a wonderful day. But for now, we can celebrate that the victory has already been won. Our enemy has already been defeated. And if our greatest enemies have already been defeated, that helps us with our fears, doesn't it? So this is how we are to pray our fears. We're to express them to God. We're to declare truth. And we're to rejoice in the victory of our King.